This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hi, this is Iana, Adeline, and Lida from the Padawan Report. And you're listening to the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. May the force be with you. Oh, how awesome is that? The Padawans over at the Padawan Report did us a favor and recorded a little intro for us, and I love it. As parents, we are proud of our children no matter what, but as Star Wars parents, we are over the moon. Wait, that's no moon, but I digress. We have Red 5 Network members in training with Big T, Little T, and the Padawan Report, and I encourage all of you guys to take a gander at these shows It truly is a treat and an overload of cuteness. But welcome to another edition of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Let's get this thing rolling. Hello, my name is K2SO. I am a reprogrammed Imperial droid. My current directive has been designated top secret, and I have been assigned to Cassian. Captain Cassian. I. Hello, I. Malfunctioning. Up to now, the work has been, let's say, pretty boring in nature. Data dumps, analytics, recon, and other less than exciting missions. I've been able to listen to some details regarding an additional operative named Fulcrum, but honestly, it's most likely more boring drivel. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the following Holonet transmission, something called the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Cassian told me to say that. Shield Control, transmitting code clearance on ISB Channel 4. This is Scarif Substation. Proceed to landing platform for further instructions from Scarif Control. Scarif Control, this is TK226. Come at Scarif Control. This is Scarif Station. Stand by. Yeah, we see heavy fire down below. Is the garrison deployed? We've had insurgents breach the shield. What's your status, TK-226? Control, just cleared the gate. Stand by to receive new orders. Scare of control. We'll coordinate an attack north of the Visage Ridge and send in the walkers. TK-226, this is Commander Milan. Proceed to the North Ridge and engage the rebels there. We've got them on the run, but we need your support. Repeat, we need your support! All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, I just want to mention before we start, we have a a special show. Uh, A while ago, 
We had a conversation with uh, the guys over at Conversations Podcast. Uh, Brad and I, we did that Saw Guerrera episode with them, and uh, it was a really fun time. We spoke about Saw Guerrera and his tactics uh, against the Empire, but it's one of those discussions that got me more and more excited to continue discussing uh, the era of Rogue One and uh, some of the characters that uh, we all know and love from that film. Uh, so uh, tonight we have a really great discussion talking about Cassian Andor. We've got Alex joining us here for uh, tonight's episode. Alex, how's it going, man? It's been a long time. It has. I feel like I haven't done a Scarif podcast in months. So it's about time we get back to it, man. Yes, for sure. Thank you very much for uh, coming on. Hey, I wanted to mention, too, um, to everybody, uh, we've reached a milestone in the Scarif Scuttlebutt uh, downloads. Uh, six episodes in our catalog uh, has surpassed uh, 200 downloads each. And I uh, just want to thank everybody, uh, especially the new followers that have found the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast, folks that are kind of uh, discovering the Scarif and uh, downloading and listening to these older episodes. I think it's really great when you find and you look at the numbers and you see that, uh, you know, people are kind of rediscovering or discovering you for the first time. And it's uh, really a lot of fun. So thank you guys. Uh, thank you very much to some of our new followers. If you like what you've been hearing, tell a friend and uh, keep listening and help us on our road to 2000. We're trying to get up to 2000 followers. We've been a little stagnant uh, here and there, but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, in the next couple of uh, weeks, we will get there. Um, and thank you guys very much. I like the idea of, of, of a character that is willing to sacrifice everything to bring freedom to the galaxy. Cassian Andor, um, you know, one of the series that has been announced by Disney Plus, and uh, this one really, you know, I, I tell Brad this all the time, it's one of the series, one of the shows that gets me more excited, probably more so than Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm not really sure why. Uh, for, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons there, but uh, obviously my love for Rogue One um, as a film, it kind of uh, brings back a lot of memories. Obviously, it looks like A New Hope. So I think one of the reasons that I'm excited about this show, uh, among many, is the returning, uh, you know, returning actor Diego Luna coming back as Cassian Andor. Some of the other elements of Rogue One that are coming back, uh, you know, the writer Tony Gilroy, who was originally uncredited for his initial take on the script and who's now an uh, invaluable contribution to Rogue One after the reworking of the script and the reshoots, he's coming back to, pi to pen the pilot. Um, you know, he's also been um, reported to say that he's not really a big Star Wars fan. So that kind of goes back to, you know, is is it good to have Star Wars fans write Star Wars or should we get a fresh new approach to things? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously, as a Star Wars fan myself, for sure, I would love the opportunity to maybe kind of like write something or at least have you know, fellow fans really take charge of the franchise. What, what are your thoughts right away on that? 
Um, my initial thoughts would be it's a double-edged sword. It's like, yes, having somebody who's not a fan of Star Wars come in um, has a lot of potential to keep things fresh, have a nice new perspective on things. Um, but also having somebody who is a Star Wars fan can have a, a really great... I don't. There's no other way to put it, but you can insert some really great fan service and little nods and things that fans appreciate. Characters are typically treated very gently and and well, continuing because they have a beloved you know connection with these characters, so they they want to treat them right typically. Um, but on the other hand, I think I don't think it necessarily matters as long as you are a good writer. If the writing comes first and you are able to tell a coherent, really well put together story, um, then I don't think it matters whether you're a fan or not, as long as you can um, give due justice to the franchise that you're working in and 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 take all that into consideration and just write a really good story. I don't think it matters if you're a, a like a huge nerd Star Wars fan or if you're just not. If you didn't grow up with it or if it doesn't appeal to you that much, if you're able to write a story, I think that's really the most important thing. Uh, because you can you can write a really good story that doesn't have a ton of fan service in it, but still does justice to the franchise that it's in. Um, but what happens all too often is you get somebody in there that writes uh, an eh, okay story, but it has a ton of fan service. And that's not really great either. <laughs> so, sure, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I just think it, it really matters. Uh, what I think really matters is uh, is having a good writer, and I think this guy who came in and and redid the whole script for Rogue One, I think he uh, he kind of saved the day. Uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes drama. Gareth Edwards did a great job as far as the art direction and and all that stuff. But it, um, from from everything that I've learned and and read up on, it sounds like uh, Tony Gilroy came in and kind of saved the day as far as the the script was concerned. So I'm happy that he's involved. Uh, it doesn't bother me that he's not a fan uh, because he created one of the best Disney-era Star Wars movies out there. So um, I'm, I'm ready to see where he takes this. Yeah, yeah I totally agree with you, Alex. Uh, and uh, as we know, Star Wars uh, Twitter fans, uh, you can't please them all the time, uh, anytime, really, <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it definitely is a double-edged sword to be a Star Wars fan and be in charge of writing Star Wars or creating anything in that universe. You know, although Dave Filoni, I think right now he's been, um, you know, he's been... I, I, you know, sometimes I want to throw in a sports reference, but I really can't. So uh, <laughs> you got to help me out there. He's batting a hundred, or he's batting whatever batting it is. The batting a thousand, I think. Is yeah, the yeah. Word. There, there you go. There you go. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think your terminology as far as uh, you know, a double edged, double edged sword, really, really, you know, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's a double edged dark saber. There you go. Is what it is. What it is. <laughs> Being part of this universe was already enough for me, you know. I, I would have said yes if they offered me to be a stormtrooper or whatever in this film. But uh, I, I thought Cassian was a, a great character, you know, because it, it, it is it is a true hero. To me, it, it's, it's, a, it's an inspiring character that shows you that you're capable of doing great stuff, you know. This... this 
group of rebels are, are, are these heroes that are just ordinary people, but doing extraordinary things, you know, and showing that if you work as a team, you're capable of, of, of many amazing things. So, you know, have you been keeping up with the casting news as far as what actors have been officially announced? I think StarWars.com had only three actors that were officially announced, but um, it kind of gets me excited uh, to, to of those possibilities. Uh, some of the rumored actors that have been, um, you know, floating around there uh, just kind of lends to more what-ifs as far as characters that are returning. We've got yeah. uh, folks like Mon Mothma, uh, Draven, Bale, Organa, you know, even, you know, Saw Gerrera, Emphis Nest, uh, Tarkin. What do you think? You think we'll see, um, you know, 3D Tarkin back in Rogue One? <laughs> um, that depends on the budget. I would, I would assume it would cost a lot of money to get that quality of CGI again. Although, I have to say, if they didn't want to go that route and they just use uh, some, some makeup effects... The actor who actually played Tarkin in Rogue One looks strikingly similar to Peter Cushing. So I think with a little bit of makeup, they could do a passable Tarkin without the extra expense of all the VFX and ILM coming in and having to put somebody else's face on top of it. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing is is uh, hit or miss. You know, they can do the best job they can, but in a couple of years, is it going to age well? Uh, is it going to be kind of like that uh, uncanny valley while you're watching the TV show and take you out of it? Maybe I mean, you don't know. I mean, the the technology is getting better and better every year. Um, but uh, in my personal opinion, I think if they just went practical and they had that actor come in and uh, and just do his best Tarkin, I, I would be fine with that. Completely fine. And, you know, as much as I want to see more of that 3D Tarkin, because I thought it was incredible, um, uh, you know, I, we don't want it to be over, you know, overdone. Um, yeah. Although. You know, they could be saving a lot of money by using the uh, same, you know, techniques that they're using on the Mandalorian with the, um, what do they call that? The uh, the oh, volume. The, 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 you mean the digital backgrounds yeah, and stuff like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, saving money there to put a little more money into the, you know, digital Tarkin. I yeah. think that would be, I think that'd be fantastic. That's a good um, point. Who else do we got coming into this show? I, I, we, we've got a new rumor, or not a rumor, but a new... Um, a new actress that just got on board. Yeah. Adria, Adria Arjona. Oh, what's her last name? I think in Spanish, the J is an H, Alex. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> Terribly sorry. It's, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's Adria Arjona. And, ooh, ooh, um, ooh, you did the double R too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, um, yeah, I wonder who she's going to play. And I think there were early casting um, rumors and, and notices on the industry uh, papers regarding casting of the show. They were looking for um, little Hispanic girls. Um, and I'm wondering if, you know, if, you know, those items would be used as flashbacks. Um, I'm wondering, I, I think this obviously yeah this is going to take place before rogue one so i'm wondering if maybe this is cassian's sister or you know maybe another love interest but um it's it's going to be fascinating what uh who do you think she's going to play i'm down for if she was his sister uh i think that would bring a lot of tension to the movie because we all one of the 
uphill battles for this um, series is going to be that everybody already knows what happens to Cassian. So the the tension as far as his character is concerned is is none. We know he's going to make it, right? There's there's never going to be a moment where we feel like he's going to die or that his life is at risk. So that focus is going to have to be on somebody else and I think it would be adic- uh, it would be best done if the tension was put on somebody who he cared about. So if it was his sister, a family member, putting the putting her at risk instead of him will give the show a good amount of tension and a good um you know, some momentum for, for them to, like, feed off of, get the audience involved and get the audience caring about these characters. Cassie and Andor would care about her just as much. So, I, I sister's fine. Love interest would be okay. Uh, that wouldn't bother me, but I would worry that it would kind of, I don't know, maybe muddle the story a little bit where you get this, like, cheesy love story the whole time. Where I'd, I'd rather them just focus on the action. So, you know, it could go either way. A good writer can make it work, um, but I would... I'd be happy with either one. You know, one of the things that I am hoping, you're right, the love story would probably muddle it, but, uh, you know, the fact that the Empire has uh, separated families and it has affected families, I think if they go that route, um, you know, we already know what happened to Saw Gerrera's family. Uh, We talked about it with uh, Conversations with Pat and Charles. Um, but, uh, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see the, uh, the turmoil, the turmoil and the drama between characters. So, um, you know, he says that line in Rogue One that he's been at it, uh, you know, he's been in this fight since he was what, six years old. Um, you know, hoping that we see a little bit of a flashback of how, you know, how all that started and, uh, how this continues to go. Uh, but some of you know some of the other char- some of the other actors uh, that I'm really excited. Obviously, Alan Tudyk, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, who plays Mon Mothma. Um, you've got uh, somebody that I'm really looking forward to seeing what character he plays is Stellan Skarsgård. Um, are you familiar with him? Uh, the name sounds very familiar. Remind me what else he's played in. Uh, he was in Chernobyl. The older gentleman. He's oh, also the, the, in the, Thor. The f- in Thor. Yeah, he was in... He's uh, the doctor? Right. Okay, yeah, he's a very, very well-known actor. I think the Skarsgård acting legacy uh, is, is uh, um, you know, kind of unmatched. Um, I think anything that any Skarsgård is in is, is really good. So, uh, really excited to... Uh, Stellan? To Stellan Skarsgård? Is that who Stella, you said? Yeah, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know he got casted in this yeah. uh, TV show. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's a great actor. He brings a lot of uh, a lot of clout with whatever project he's working on. Yeah, seriousness, uh, gravitas, as they say. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I'm really excited. You know, and obviously, you know, hopefully that uh, Jimmy Smits and Alistair Petrie uh, also talks uh, to, to kind of uh, reprise their role. I think Alistair Petrie is Draven. Um, so that would be that would be really nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, getting back to Chernobyl, the production designer from the HBO series Chernobyl has also signed up to to take on the role of production designer for the Cassian series. And if one thing that I learned about watching Chernobyl is is, you know, the the production design, the the look and feel of the sets and the environments and the locations. I mean, they were really, really damn gritty. Um, you know, my wife and I always talk about how there are certain shows that you watch that you want to kind of like 
you're into them so much, but they you like after watching them, you want to like take a shower because you feel like you were there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chernobyl was definitely one of those shows, and I think it'll bring a, a a realism, a certain realism and grittiness to the show, which I'm very excited. Yeah, I completely agree. Chernobyl was was striking, uh, just on the cinematography level. Uh, everything about that show um, was. It, I wouldn't say it was gorgeous. It wasn't pretty to look at, but I think that was the point. Is it was like right. you felt like you did. You felt like you were there. One of the things that struck me about that show um, is uh, not only the uh, the sound editing and and the music that um, was put into it, but like there were certain scenes where there was this haze in the air, and you could see the little dust particles. And because of the situation that they were in, the way that it was shot made you feel like every one of those little dust particles was had the potential to kill somebody it's just because of you know the nuclear reactor smoking into the ground into the air and stuff like that so just the the ability to do that and present that on screen and put that message to the uh to the audience like that was brilliant so having having that team come in and do cassian i think that'll be fantastic um i can't imagine that it would be the perfect situation to apply is this like down and dirty, like the rebellions just barely getting started. The empire's got their, their, you know, their boot on their neck kind of a situation. Uh, every, every ship that they have is just beat up and kind of second rate, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And I also, I really, I want to mention this before I forget, but um, I really want to see blue squadron at their height. Like we saw oh, blue yeah. squadron get wiped out in the battle of Scarif. Um, I, I, I thought they were, they have so much potential there. There was a lot of really cool characters in that in that uh, squadron, and I hope we see them come back too. My character is a, is a, an intelligence officer. You know, he's a, he's a spy, so he's not very good at at relating with <laughs> with other humans. You know, with with other people. Uh, he's. Uh, He's very close, he's very mysterious. His best friend is a droid that he reprogrammed, so uh, that tells you a lot about him. They have a reported five-season plan, and I guess uh, of any show, that's usually kind of the normal um, when it comes to you know signing on a new show. Um, I think, uh, you know, five years or five seasons uh, before Rogue One. I'm really looking forward to the missions. I'm looking forward to the adventure. I'm looking forward to a lot of things. Um, do you think we'll see Vader in this series? Uh, if we do, I hope it's sparingly, to tell you the truth. I, I don't want, um, like, obviously Vader would be somebody that they call in in a hot spot, you know, like if the empire was in trouble and they needed somebody to get there and, and get the job done, they call Vader. But for these low level skirmishes and this espionage with the, with trying to infiltrate the, the, uh, empire, I feel like it's a little bit under Vader's radar, uh, to tell you the truth. So if he does show up, I hope it's sparingly. I hope they use him, um, in powerful moments and not just like, Oh, there's Vader again. Uh, it just, I don't know. It's, it's real, like with these legacy characters, man, it's real touchy. Like, what do you do? What do you don't do? Um, I, I'm okay with fan service, but keep it at a minimum and be very, very cautious with what you do with Vader. Uh, anytime it has to do with Canon. So, um, I hope like, 
I'm thinking maybe if they wanted to use him for maybe like a season finale or a midseason, you know, something like that to kind of spice and, and give it like a, a cliffhanger ending, that's that's cool with me. I don't want to see him throughout the entire series. I think it should focus more on the low-level guys. I agree. I think the more you see Vader, the more danger uh, dangerous it is to, you know, kind of – you know, I, I don't know, trust the, the creatives behind the scene to kind of, you know, I don't want, Vader's one of those characters that I definitely don't want, like, ruined or messed up. Yeah. Um, so, absolutely. But, you know, one of the things that I love about the dynamic of Vader and the Imperial Senate and Tarkin, even from um, early, you know, original Star Wars scenes where they talk about, you know, the, the obviously the, the Senate, the Imperial Senate is still in power um, the govern, I guess, the galactic governance system still thinks that they have the power. They don't know that the empire is doing what they're doing behind their backs. And once, uh, you know, once Tarkin informs the uh, the governors that the Imperial Senate has been dissolved by the Emperor, if if we see Vader do a little more of that with Tarkin regarding, you know, how we see. Um, the, the, the government within the galaxy at that point in time, I think that would be really cool. You know, it's one of those things that, in, that really excites me. I know, you know, to a lot of people, the, uh, the politics of Star Wars is kind of a boring thing, but um, I think, well, you know, if we start to see a little more of that, um, I, I'd be happy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every, like the best part of some of the most popular shows uh, like Game of Thrones, the, one of the best things about that was the the political maneuvering and how each character reacted to, to different situations and changing in power. And uh, the Empire is, is primed and ready to, to lean in that direction if we wanted to kind of explore that a little bit. I think with good writing and really good characters, that would be fantastic. It just has, again, it just has to be carefully done, make sure it doesn't slow the season down too much. And uh, I think with if we want to go in Tarkin's direction, we know he's the head honcho um, in this era, and uh, I think it would be cool to see him along with. I don't know if we're going to see um, uh, Director Krennic. He might pop in, um, but I feel like nobody really knew about the Death Star until Rogue One happened, so I'm not sure if we want to lean in that direction because that might give, I don't know, that might kind of give away the Death Star thing. For the, I, sure. it would, I don't know. It would be kind of a tight walk, a, a tightrope walk. You know, you, we want to hint about what's going on, this massive super weapon, blah 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 blah. But we don't want to, uh, we don't want to take away from what happens in Rogue One. So I think maybe steer clear of that stuff um, for a little while at least, until maybe the later seasons, and then start leaning in that direction. But that's just my thought. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I you know, I've heard some fans say, you know, not a, you know, obviously every trilogy has its own Death Star, um, so to speak, and and if they announce this series with a uh, you know with more Death Star in it, uh, I, I don't know how happy or how op- you know in open arms people will accept it, um, but you know the character drama definitely exists here. Um, you know, you've got the moral ambiguity of the rebellion. Uh, as we saw, you know, with uh, Cassian during the first few minutes of Rogue One, where he just, you know, kills that informant without thinking, you know, he had to do what he had to do in order to survive, in order to escape those uh, stormtroopers. So, yeah. um, Alex, let me ask you this, because, you know, you and I, we, we talked about this a long time ago on, on the on the show, 
What does that do to the notion, uh, the earlier notion where, and I remember you saying this because I'm going to quote you saying, the <laughs> rebels are good and the empire is bad and that's it. What does that do uh, when it comes to blurring the lines? Does that have a potential of changing the landscape of how we see the original trilogy? It does. I believe it does. And yeah. I understand the draw that people have with wanting complicated storytelling and complicated characters that have you know, moral issues that they have to fight with. But at the end of the day, I wish, I, I really want them to just remember that this story that we fell in love with, with the original trilogy, the rebellion was fighting for the rights of the entire galaxy and for good against tyranny. And the empire was this like super hardcore fascist, like, you know, a boot on the neck of the entire galaxy type of uh, organization and I don't ever want those two lines to be blurred to where we see the rebellion almost as a bad guy. Like if, you know, sometimes if, if lines have to be crossed for the greater good, that can be explored, but I don't want them to cross into the territory where the rebellion is just as bad, if not doing the same type of thing. Like that's Saw Gerrera. Like if you want to explore that to me, that would be Saw Gerrera. Like if he's like, the things that he are he is doing would be seen as just as evil as the empire and that's why the rebellion didn't really want anything to do with him there has to be that line and i, I don't ever want to see the rebellion cross it so uh, i'm okay with you know in that gray area kind of like what cassian did at the beginning of rogue one that's a gray area that was kind of rough we were like whoa we've never seen any of these rebel guys do that before so i understand the draw and i understand wanting to do that but you just got to be real careful with it, man. Yeah, you know, and that goes back to, well, that's going to be, that's definitely going to be kind of a fine line. Um, you know, you want the drama, you want the change, you want something new in Star Wars. Um, but uh, I, I'm really hoping that, like you said, that uh, they don't really, uh, you know, change that uh, that, that look. Uh, the I guess the, uh, the characteristic of the rebellion versus the Empire. Um to something just completely you know off the shelf but um that that's going to be uh that's definitely going to be interesting um you know and speaking of uh light and dark uh we've got another message that i'm going to play uh michelle and natalie from force of light entertainment they sent us a clip regarding uh what they're looking forward to for the cassian andor series let's take a listen right now We have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Hey, it's Michelle and Natalie from Force of Light Entertainment giving you our quick thoughts on the Cassian Endor Star Wars TV show. So, I am excited about this show because I think it allows them to do a something kind of unique in Star Wars. They can do a truly spy-oriented show. Kind of like yeah. how you see that opening scene with Cassian's character where he's willing to even kill a guy to get out of a situation with his information. I think I hope they kind of keep more of that tone, but then also add humor through maybe K2SO. Uh, but but I think I think it, it can be exciting just because it can be so unique and spy-oriented. Natalie, what are you excited about? 
Yeah, I think it's exciting to dive a little deeper into, you know, perhaps his background and kind of where he was and what state of mind before we saw him appear in Rogue One. And I also, as you mentioned, think it's exciting to see more of K2SO, who I personally was a fan of. Yes, because they together are pretty humorous. They are. They're a good team. Yes, I think that is exciting. What do you think about, like I said, the, uh, the spy element? How would you like the tone to be? Um... Uh, I think that could be very interesting. Yes, um, that's what I'm saying. I think the tone should be a little bit, a little bit more serious than maybe the Mandalorian. Yes, like it, like you said, kind of a something new and different for Star Wars. Yes, like I just hope if they would get someone, like some really good showrunners, I think this show could actually be surprising to some people who yes. maybe aren't as excited for it. And it could just be something so unique and refreshing that Star Wars kind of needs and, and can be a great TV show. A different take on, on Star Wars. Yes. So that is our thoughts for the Cassie Endor show. See you guys. Thank you, ladies. Michelle and Natalie, Force of Light Entertainment, part of our Red 5 Network podcast family. You guys are fantastic. Thank you for uh, contributing to our show tonight. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be great. You know, uh, speaking of um, casting news, you know, there's uh, some folks that have uh, also contributed online on Twitter. We have a couple of questions from our followers um, Echo Station Podcast said that they would love to see how Cassian obtained K2SO. Um, he also dropped the name Nathan Fillion. Fillion, is that how you pronounce his name? Fillion? Yep, Fillion. Um, as uh, perhaps another captain in the series that might uh, have programmed him. Thank you, Echo Station Podcast, for that. But, uh, yeah, uh, do you think we'll see how K2SO kind of was reprogrammed? Uh, obviously, the announcement of uh, Alan Tudyk, he's going to be in the show. But uh, what are your thoughts on that droid? I definitely think they're going to take advantage of that. Um, having Alan Tudyk on board um, is, is fantastic. I, I love him as K2SO. I love him as an actor. He's in a bunch of shows that I really enjoy. And uh, I think it would it would serve the characters well to see how they meet and uh, to, you know, watch them forge the relationship that they had in Rogue One. And as far as Nathan Fillion goes, um, I'd love for him to show up. Uh, he doesn't need to be like a main character if he just wants to come in as a cameo once in a while. Uh, him and Alan Tudyk have worked together on a ton of different projects, um, all the way from from fire back in the day with Firefly. Uh, to more recently, he was uh, uh, Alan Tudyk came in as a guest star on um, the Rookie, the new um, TV show that Alan that uh, Nathan Fillion stars in. So it's cool. It would be totally cool to to have them in on the same project again. But I, I don't think it needs to be anything more than just a cameo uh, as him being a rebellion. You know, just not even an officer, just like another rebellion soldier uh, that pops in and helps out once in a while. That would be a really cool cameo. Yes, I agree. So we got another follower. Alexander Moylan says that he hopes to see Cassian in a spy role. He wants to be able to see an Imperial who maybe was affected by the rebellion and their terrorism acts, someone that the audience can empathize with. Um, that actually would be kind of interesting. We've never seen uh, you know, a, a, a character uh, from the Empire that the audience, us, would, uh, would uh, empathize with. Um, I don't know if uh, even in even in uh, I think Rebels who was that um, 
the uh, character, the Imperial character that kind of defected and uh, became uh, Brody. A, no, in 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 the cartoon Rebels, but uh, yeah, oh. Brody's Brody's one definitely somebody that kind of switched over, and we see a lot of that in um, in the novels. But uh, as far as the films, uh, you know, this that would definitely be something that uh, could be explored here to be able to kind of empathize with somebody who was an imperial, uh, even on the other side, that was affected by perhaps the extremism of the rebellion. And obviously yeah. with uh, things that maybe uh, uh, Saw Gerrera has done. You know, Brad and I talked about it with uh, Suasians, and uh, we talked about, I think it was Rebel Rising when Saw Gerrera basically blew up a, um, uh, a banquet hall to get to one Imperial general, uh, an Imperial governor, and basically, you know, killed a lot of people, a lot of innocent people on uh, whatever planet they were on. But uh, that would be interesting to to see a character like that what do you think uh yeah an imperial character uh who's affected negatively by the rebellion i i definitely can see them doing that it's gonna i would say that it would have to be all by perception not necessarily again like if you bring in saw Gerrera, it's the perfect excuse right you bring in saw Gerrera that does something to the to the far extreme and the reaction from the from the uh, imperial side is like they killed all these people just to get to this one guy. Like that would have to be a, a Sagarera thing. I don't want to see Cassian come in there and have a bunch of collateral damage and then have him be the bad guy. I like he could be in the middle of it, maybe in a tight situation where he, he got lied to by, by saw or something. I could see them doing that again. I just want them to be very careful with how they treat the rebellion and how they treat Cassian. I don't want him to ever be looked at as the one who is the bad guy in the situation. So um, I'm down for it, though. I think having a, a an imperial side of view or point of view would be really cool. Uh, we see that a lot in the books, um, and uh, I like. I think what was it Lost Stars that had somebody who was like there was th- millions of people on the Death Star and they were my friends. Like that that type of thing is fine if you want to go that direction. Um, I think it would work really well. Uh, again, that. It can be done if it's if it's written well, but I want to be careful that I also want them to be careful not to split their time too much. Like the focus of the show should be Cassian, so I don't want like whole episodes being dedicated to like this one character in the in the Empire, um, unless it's absolutely necessary. I think I think we should follow Cassian for the most part. But yeah, I mean, and, that's and again, I mean, that's completely subjective. That's just not that's just sure. me. If if they decide that they want to focus on an Imperial character and it's well done, I, I'm I'm along for the ride, but uh, I, I'd like to explore more of the rebellion side than anything. Yeah, and that's one of the things that uh, I think um, would be dangerous to to be able to do that to Cassian because we all, you know, obviously fell in love with the character in Rogue One. We know what he's all about. You know, he definitely changed from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. He didn't end up uh, killing uh, Jin Erso's father. Um, so there's there's that character change, that growth. Um, another follower, Jeff Folken, had a good point regarding the ruthlessness of Cassian that he that we saw in Rogue One. He doesn't want to see him be become a ruthless backstabber throughout the series. He wants to be able to see the conflict of conscience that he has with all the orders that he receives and things like that. So I think yeah. uh, you know going that route would probably would definitely go a long way with making his character. Uh, I guess a little bit more relatable in the TV series than, yeah. you know, than having to, you know, kind of think he's a dick. 
you know, that's a there's a great opportunity there for them to have him be given an order that's like really morally gray and something that he has to struggle with. And then he follows that order, but he does it in such a way that he kind of, you know, navigates the situation to where it's still a good thing to do. So like we saw with, with, uh, in Rogue One where he decided not to kill, um, Jin's father. And, uh, you know, he, he still accomplished his mission, but he just didn't do it the way he was supposed to do it. Like if they, they can continue on with that type of storyline, I think that would be completely fine. And it would keep him as a character interesting to watch him have to like navigate and think up new ways to do, to accomplish his mission without breaking his moral code. I think there's a lot of potential there for some good storytelling as well. Let's take a listen to another voicemail that was left. Alberto over at Radio Rebellion Podcast. He's got some thoughts about the Cassian Andor series. And uh, let's uh, hear what he's got to say. Thank you, Alberto, for that. Let's check it out. Hi, this is Alberto from the Radio Rebellion Podcast. There are so many possibilities that excite me about the Cassian Andor TV series, but I'll try to keep it short. Although I really like Rogue One, it isn't my favorite, but there is something about the character of Cassian Andor that really intrigues me and loved him in that movie. We love morally great characters in Star Wars, and he showed that right during his introduction in Rogue One, when he shoots his informant just to be able to escape the Imperials, and I want to see more of that. The Rebellion still building and figuring out how to survive. We saw a bit of it in the Rebel animated series, but not in live action. What do our heroes have to do to survive the day and build a movement to defy the Empire? It is built as a spy thriller, which is something else we haven't seen in Star Wars, and that is very interesting. Seeing both sides of the conflict, and hopefully a flashback to Cassian as a younger kid with his family being part of the Separatists during the Clone Wars. Can we see the return of Saw Gerrera and Enfys Ness having different views of the Rebellion when compared with Mon Mothman and Bail Organa? Recently on Radio Rebellion we have been talking with some great guests about the importance of diversity and representation and this show has the potential to expand on it. With the Hispanic and Latinx community having Diego Luna, now with the addition of Adri Arjona and Jimmy Smith, for the African-American communities, if we get Forrest Whitaker back as Saw Gerrera and Erin Kellyman as Enfys Ness, there's great female characters with Enfys, um, Arjona and Guinevere O'Reilly as Mon Mothma, this show has me really, really excited. And that is my case for Cassian. Hey guys, this is David from the Followers of the Force podcast, uh, recording this in my car, so the audio may not be the best, but just wanted to give some thoughts on the Cassian series and what we know so far. Um, right off the bat, the casting has been on point, really excited for the latest casting news uh, of Adria Arjona joining the show. Um, I think she's going to be fantastic across from Diego Luna. Uh, I really like the fact that they're also bringing back a lot of the supporting cast from Rogue One makes a lot of sense it's in that same kind of time period before the events that we know of the original trilogy um and yeah just overall really excited i i really have nothing 
bad to say about the show so far. Um, I just want same with with all the other announcements that they've made of other Disney Plus shows. I just want to start seeing stuff. And obviously with COVID-19 and everything, it's made that very difficult, uh, especially with Celebration not happening this year. But uh, yeah, I'm overall really excited. Uh, looking forward to seeing what Cassian and these other Rebels were doing prior to the events of Rogue One. And maybe how they met some key players that we know in the story now. So yeah, just overall really excited. And uh, I can't wait until we all get to see some footage. So those are my thoughts, guys. Thanks for listening. And Ro, thanks for reaching out and having me talk about this. Um, Thank you, guys. And may the Force be with you, always. Absolutely. Uh, You know... Moral ambiguity uh, doesn't really happen in Star Wars a lot, but uh, this might be a really great series to take uh, an opportunity to to explore that. Um, Mr. Daft Prom, Frank and Amy uh, mentioned that in our mentions when I posted the question regarding their thoughts on uh, on the series. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, getting more and more into this discussion it really looks like they really have to be careful with this character because not only the character but the i guess the organization of the rebellion we don't want it to change um you know our perspective of that going forward um from the uh the the way that we've seen these films you know from a legacy perspective yeah i completely agree but yeah, a lot of discussion here. Uh, we had quite a few messages on Twitter when I posted the uh, Ask Team Scare if anything about the casting series. Um, we've got, uh, let's see here, a follower, Andrew McCauley, would like to see certain cameos, possibly Wedge, and some of the secondary characters that we saw in Rogue One, like the creatures that help the humans, the, uh, the big hairy guy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah, so those are really great characters. He also mentions wanting to see Obi-Wan Kenobi somehow to tie Kenobi's uh, series to this show. And and I, I probably would have to um, do the same reaction you did. I, again, <laughs> you know, it's uh, everybody talks about, uh, you know, Ahsoka Tano coming into the Mandalorian show. And then everybody, you know, talked about how that would turn into the, um, the Ahsoka Tano show. Um, but again, it's with these legacy characters, you really have to kind of tread lightly. And I don't think bringing Obi-Wan Kenobi into this series would do anybody any good. I really can't see how, um, that would be necessary. Yeah, neither can I. I mean, I understand the, the desire for people like, Oh, I want to see what Obi-Wan Kenobi's doing. And this, like, I get it, man. It'd be totally cool. But I, I don't think it serves the characters, uh, in a good way. And I think especially, Anybody who's like a Jedi or uh, force sensitive at this point would be in severe hiding because they're being hunted actively by the Empire. So I, I think they should all just be more or less uh, under the radar and uh, not available. But during this time period between three and four, episode three and four, I'm like, you got to be real careful with who you're adding into the uh, into the tapestry of Star Wars. So. I get it, you know, I get the draw to it, I understand what they're doing, but I just, to me, it just, it muddies the water a little bit too much. I mean, if if Cassian Andor is going on some mission and he runs into one of these Inquisitors, um, 
that could that could put some tension into it and it could have a potential for some really cool scenes uh, a couple cool fight scenes and stuff so you know if they wanted to go that direction i could see it working um since it's already canon that these people are out there and, and we've seen them in video games and comic books and novels and all that stuff so i get it you know i'm not the boss so they can do whatever they want with it just be careful that's all i'm asking as a fan just be careful yeah. definitely yeah so uh another follower our friend uh your friend and mine nicholas schaefer backyard tardis uh wants to see more development of the rebels from what we've been discussing it looks like we may have that uh but uh it may not please a lot of folks and again getting back to trying to be careful with what um, they do with uh, not only just the characters, but I guess the organizations um, like the Rebels. Um, but, you know, I, I'm hoping that this is going to be, uh, you know, uh, just a, a, a nice series of adventures and missions. Um, there's a lot of potential here, too, to kind of cross it over into the uh, solo territory with, uh, with uh, you know, the underworld, uh, the crime lords, crime bosses, and things like that. And I think, uh, you know, I'm hoping to see a little bit of that, too, because that also intrigues me in the Star Wars world, the way the yeah. Empire worked with uh, the criminal underground to kind of get things done. I think that's kind of uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. And that brings into, uh, uh, into the fold is uh, Darth Maul is another character. Um, that has the potential to show up once in a while, especially if Cassian is dealing with the Crimson Sun. I'm not saying have Darth Maul as like a main character, but like if if he has dealings with the Crimson Sun, I can see a build up through a season or maybe half a season where you know four or five episodes he's dealing with these people from the Crimson Sun, and then it it, it culminates in having to either confront or uh, avoid Darth Maul at a certain point. So I mean, there's you know there's a lot of potential for some fun storytelling. Um, so. Uh, you know, it's a great sandbox to be able to play in, and, I, and I'm, I, I wish I could jump in and, and play with these writers and directors and stuff and kind of, you know, put what I want to see in there. So, uh, you know, I can definitely see the draw for people who are like, oh, I want to do this, and, and, and he's he is alive during this period, right? Okay, I want him in here. So, I mean, that's the fan service thing, though. Yeah. That's the that's the tight sure. walk rope that these guys have to, have to avoid sometimes is, like, too much fan service can be a bad thing and can just detract from the story so i mean and, here, here i am here i am talking right. telling people not to do too much fan service and i'm <laughs> thinking about it and i'm writing a story in my head with a bunch of fan service in yeah. it <laughs> but again you know bringing in uh, tony gilroy to write this first episode i think uh that will hopefully set the bar and uh set the mold for which this series, uh, you know, will live in. You know, characters like, uh, what's his name? Saw Gerrera's number two guy, the two tubes guy. He's in a couple of comic books and he's in some of the novels uh, that have been written. I think uh, he's almost as ruthless as Saw Gerrera, even if we don't get Forrest Whitaker back for the series. I can definitely see uh, two tubes being an adversary for... You know the goings on of of, of Cassian's mission um, going forward. So, just let you know, this is again, this is something. You know, this is a, a territory that uh, I'm really looking forward to. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but um, I, I think uh, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I'm actually looking forward to this series more than season two of Mandalorian and more than uh, than Obi Wan. So, um, I'm really you know chomping at the bits for this one. 
Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the scuttlebutt. Well, Alex, thank you very much for joining me on this special Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast episode here again. You you know you always have a second home here at uh, the Scuttlebutt. What are you guys working on lately? We have our, our show planned out all the way to uh, past September into October. So uh, we've got a, a lot of great movies uh, because there's a little bit of a dry spell on like new content as far as movies goes because all the theaters are shut down. Everything's delayed. Uh, so what we're doing is we're picking a topic every week, and then out of that topic, we're picking some of the best and or worst movies, whether it's um, Schwarzenegger movies or if it's video game movies or like we uh, we did shark movies last week. So that should be available on I- on iTunes right now. Uh, so that's kind of our plan right now until things start getting back to normal is we're just going to pick a subject, pick a genre, and pick some of the best and or worst movies and uh, talk about them, talk about why they work, why they don't work, and get into arguments over you know, why I like something and why I don't like something with Kadish and, and my uh, co-hosts. Uh, well, we have a ton of fun over there uh, on the Salty Nerd podcast. You guys can check it out, uh, saltynerd.com. Or uh, you can go to our iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're available there. And uh, we would love to have you, love to jo- have you guys join the discussion. Um, we love movies, and that's why we're there we just like to hang out with each other and talk about some of our favorite and least favorite movies so hopefully that translates and people enjoy the podcast uh we work really hard on it and uh we enjoy it so go check it out well it's definitely working on me it's one of my fit my uh one of my favorite podcasts uh i've been listening to you guys for a long time even uh before uh i knew you so uh thank you very much that is uh really awesome excellent all right uh guys again thank you very much for listening to the scare of scuttlebutt podcast as you know we can also be found on itunes stitcher iHeartRadio, soundcloud podcast.com ask your smart speaker to play the scare of scuttlebutt on pandora or what's that other one? Uh, Spotify. There you go. Um, I just want to do a quick shout out to our wonderful supporters on Patreon. Uh, we've got uh, Hyperspace and Holocrons, uh, Nicholas Schaefer, Matt Vader, your other salty nerd. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, WRO923, Shore Trooper Extraordinaire, Joey <laughs> Rosales. Thank you, guys. Thank you to all our patrons uh, again. Thank you very much for joining us on this special Cassian Andor anticipatory episode. If you guys have something to say about Star Wars or anything you'd like, give us a call at 773-234-8659. We want to hear what's on your mind. And uh, Alex, you got the last word. Welcome back to the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. We missed you, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me again, man. I, I, I love talking Star Wars with you guys. And uh, I... I couldn't find a better place to fit in with the Red 5 Network. You guys are all so supportive and so awesome of not only this podcast, but the one that I do and tons of others, and, and we have some great supporters. And uh, It's a lot of fun, man. It's tons tons of fun making a podcast that people enjoy. So thank you guys all very much, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. 
So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>